0: Founderspace, mentors, and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, I have with me Joan Sotkin host of The Prosperity Show and award-winning author. Joan, it's wonderful to have you here. I wanna hear all about your ideas. Can you tell us first a little about your background? Because I know you have a very unique background. You're a very unique person. And for those of you who are listening in and cannot see Joan, she is 80 years old, but she looks like she's 60. And I'm telling the truth. When she speaks, she has so much energy. First of all, how do you do it? Is it just genetics or is there something special you do that keeps you so young? In
1: 1973, I was a a mess. I was sick physically, emotionally. And I found this doctor who said to me, if you give up sugar, you won't be depressed. That day, I gave up sugar, August 11th. 1973, and I haven't eaten sugar since.
0: I think that's fantastic. I will tell you, first of all, I've given up sugar and I feel better than ever. Sugar is a drug and it's not a good drug for us. It really harms our body and it brings you up and then drops you down lower. You get that sugar high and then you crash and it does a lot of other things to your metabolism, to how you process fats. So I encourage anybody, who's listening out there, rethink eating sugar in your life. If you can get rid of sugar altogether, you will feel better. I guarantee it.
1: Okay. And I did a lot of other things. And since 1973, I've been eating mostly organic. It took me a while to get enough energy to be able to exercise, but I walk a mile and a half to two miles a day. Uh, I meditate regularly and I have gotten rid of or have tamed any of the emotions that I had left over from childhood that were getting in my way. And I'm a very peaceful person now, and I don't stress out. Nothing bothers me. And I think that that makes a big difference.
0: Emotional well being starts with your mindset, who you are, how you view yourself. And Joan, I know you've come a long way because you help people with this not just with their diet and living, hopefully to be a hundred and feeling healthy, but you really help them with their businesses, like how they deal with money. What is their relationship to money?
1: It starts with the family, it always does. And money was, was not talked about a lot in our family, but my father was a compulsive debtor. He used to go out and buy a boat, a car, uh, you know, whatever he felt like buying. And my mother would go, Bruce, because you know, she never liked what was going on. And I never really learned how to save. When I was in grammar school, they actually had a thing where we could save money. And by the time when I was in high school, my father said, I don't want you bothering me for money anymore. So I'm going to give you a thousand dollars for the year which in 1956 was a considerable amount of money. And don't bother me, you've got to buy all your your personal stuff for the next year. And somehow I bought a steno pad and each month I divided it into four weeks and I kept perfect records of what I was spending. And at the end of the year, I had $300 left over, which when my father was going bankrupt, my mother borrowed from me and never paid it back. (laughs)
0: What a great story. So you helped save your family just because you were prudent about managing your money. Now, when you talk to people about the money and yourself as an extension of yourself, how you're dealing with money, how you're approaching money, why you need money is all about who you are.
1: I was talking to my very wealthy brother yesterday, and he said he never focused on the money. I mean, he retired really early and he said he never focused on the money, that he focused on enjoying himself. And he built this huge business. The money wasn't the most important thing. Growing up, he learned from my grandfather, not from my father. But what I'm interested in now is how people feel inside, no matter what their money is. My brother was very anxious for many years, but he had a way of, Dealing with his, his anxiety, because he was on the road a lot, he would fantasize a lot. And that's how he would get past the anxiety and come up with new ideas.
0: I'm curious, two things. One, with your brother, what business did he build that was so okay. successful? And how do you think he got there after coming from your same family? He
1: started out working in corporate, where he was working for Vix. You know, when
0: when you there. say VIX, do you mean the cough drop company? Yeah. So okay, he's selling cough drops.
1: Everyone in our family knows how to sell. And he had he worked for a couple of other companies and then became a sales rep. And he was selling stuff to Walmart when Walmart decided that they weren't going to use any more sales reps except my brother. That's a big sentence. You know, I I've learned that each of us finds our place. In the jigsaw puzzle. You know, each of us is a unique piece within the jigsaw puzzle because it's not our individual lives that matter, it's our big life, all of us together. And from my point of view, we don't come to the planet to have a good time, we come here to learn. And I think what we're learning is how to be conscious co creators, but to be creators. In understanding that we're part of a whole. And that's why emotional intelligence is coming into the corporate world now, to be able to have empathy and care what other people are feeling. I think that when we understand that we really are all connected, that we're learning on a bigger level, it's not about my individual happiness
0: that's a really important lesson because i think in america it's a very individualistic society and it's all about me what how does it benefit me it's we have forgotten in a lot of ways that sense of community it's not about me it's about all the people around me like how can we get through this together what can we do to help people around us so i think america has many great attributes. And I think individualism has some very positive benefits. But we also have to remember that all of us came out of communities of people and the people who are actually the most together, the happiest, the ones who really help all those people around them in making life good for them.
1: I believe that the energy of emotions are the creative forces behind our life stories. And in the last six months, what I've come to understand about our culture and some other cultures is that one of the main feelings behind our unit is feeling sorry for yourself and and feeling oppressed. And when you look at the history of the United States, everyone who came here, came here, not because they were having a good time, but because they felt oppressed. A lot of the people who were oppressed became oppressors. And if you look at the dynamic now between people of power and the regular people, there's a dynamic of oppression. Once you understand that underneath a lot of what you're doing, why you're aiming for all that money is because you feel oppressed and limited and you're trying to break the bonds of that limitation. And once you realize that this feeling of powerless and oppressed and limited is inside of you, it's not who you are. And that when you can make a different feeling choice, that your life will change.
0: Can you talk now about some of the insights in your book Building the Money Muscles.
1: I wrote Build Your Money Muscles 15 years ago. And in that book, I talk about paying attention to your numbers and doing the the real world stuff. But I also talk about the connection between emotions and money. For that book, I identified five main feelings that people act out through their money. And basic exercise I teach people to do is when you look at your bank balance, how do you feel? Are you saying to yourself, oh my God, Joe Schmo makes more than I do. And how am I going to ever make the money that I want to make? And in that sentence, you've got shame. um, And one that I didn't mention in the book that's really important is longing. If you never got touched properly as a child, then longing is going to be one of your main emotional expressions. And you're going to act that out by always longing for more. And you've got this brain chemical called dopamine that's going to tell you, yeah, you need more, you need more. You're gonna die because you won't have enough food. Look at your money. Just if nothing else today, when you're paying attention to your numbers, do you feel contracted uh, or do you feel expanded? Ah, very few people feel expanded when they look at their money because they think they need more because that's the dopamine going more, more, more. I think money is an incredible mechanism for finding out who you are and for learning about your inner world. It is essential that you be willing to look at your emotions. We all have them. And it's one of the ways we interact and connect to people. If you say, oh, I need more money. Have you ever heard an entrepreneur say, oh, I need more money? What you're saying is I need more people because money always comes from people. Deprivation, a sense of being trapped, and aloneness. That's a big one in today's world. If you feel alone, it's going to be very difficult to bring in the energy that you need because the aloneness is pushing it away. And and so once you understand that you're not your money, Your money is not you, but it's a a mechanism for you to find out who you really are. What I have a problem in our society is that psychologists and doctors, it's like, what's wrong with you that needs fixing? And my theory is there's nothing wrong with you that needs fixing. There's nothing wrong with you. You just have habits that aren't working for you. And you have the option of changing those habits.
0: So walk me through how you will help somebody change those habits so that they can change their relationship to money.
1: My job is to lead you to your answers. So a story, one of my clients sold his businesses for millions of dollars. So instead of saying, I need more money, go out and connect to more people. So, you know, you asked me what was in the book. So there's the five main feelings, there's shame, anger, and right away, he said, well, I've, I've got to create a new business. And <laughs> I said, why? He said, because I'm afraid of running out of money. <laughs> so that was a good place to start because he had plenty of money for today. The real problem was that he, was, he had to work really hard to make that money. And he realized that he didn't want to work that hard anymore. But he had this belief that in order to be successful, you have to work hard. And he was uptight and everything else. So we looked at his family background, which made a big difference. How you were treated by your mother and father really makes a difference. If one of your parents died or left, if your parents were divorced, any kind of adverse childhood experience will affect how you make your decisions later in life. But the odd thing was that he started to fly an airplane when he was 15 years old. So by the time he was 60, he was a pretty good pilot and he loved to fly. And he really wants to be a coach and he's trying to work hard to put the business together. And I said, well, how can you combine the flying and the coaching business? I've got another client who has a very large business. And once he learned how to let go of his father's strictness, he's having such a good time and coming up with these clever things in a business that no one comes up with clever things. And he said, I feel like a little kid having fun for the first time. We've been working together for almost a year now and his relationships have improved. He's not as judgmental. He's not as strict with his kids and he's got plenty of time. He keeps His business keeps expanding and yet he's setting it up so that his workers will take over. He likes the idea of providing something for his workers so that when he decides to retire, they've got a business. What I try to do is help people understand how who they are can express itself through their business. That's what I did with the crystal business. And it was such a big deal for me. I just went through this thing where I'm taking crystals out of the closet and I say, I'm sorry, business world, this is who I am. And I was talking to a group of people one day and I said, I'm afraid to bring it into the business world. And they said, but lots of people do that now. (laughs) It's not a big deal. And so I started doing these energy tune ups, and I've gotten good uh, testimonials. And, you know, don't try to be who you think you ought to be, be who you are, and learn how to express that. So this emotional stuff is at the core of what I do. But there's so much more to it. It's seeing who you are in the bigger picture. In this day and age, you can't do it by yourself. Someone asked me one day, what are the three things you'd like to leave with us? And I said, love yourself, let go and connect. And those three things to me are really important. You not only interact with people, but you connect to them on an emotional level. You and I, when we first met, it was like we must have known each other forever. There was just a connection that I can't explain it when I'm feeling connected to someone, it just happens. And when you find that work with it, (laughs) don't, don't push it away because you're so afraid of intimacy.
0: I find the same thing, you know, the relationships we make in our personal lives and business, they are based on that connection, that feeling we have. A lot of people I meet say they're very analytical. But when it actually comes down to make decisions, whether it's about their life or about their business, they are emotional decisions.
1: According to brain science, every decision has an emotional component. And so if you're not making great decisions, then you have to ask what the emotions. That's what I asked 40 years ago when I got on this path. Why did I have two millionaire brothers and I couldn't rub two pennies together? I had been studying metaphysics that said you create your own reality. Now I say you create your own, you know, your life stories. But my question was how and why? Why we came from the same family, had to deal with the same father. So as I said, we don't come here to have a good time and we come here to learn how to be co-creators. And so when something happens that doesn't work out for you, Instead of saying, what did I do wrong or what's wrong with me to say, what was the decision I made that that got me here? And am I really being true to myself or am I trying to be another Jeff Bezos? You matter. And I see so many people in business who think the money matters, who are so addicted to external validation, and they haven't taken the time to validate themselves.
0: A lot of people use the money as that big measuring stick. How successful am I? And they even use it as a proxy for love. Like, you know, if I make money, I can love myself and others can love me. But that's just not true.
1: Absolutely. And I was definitely touch deprived. My my parents weren't touchy people. And I felt touched when someone handed me money, when someone liked the crystals that I had in my store. And one of the things I decided a long time ago, I like to set feeling goals rather than financial goals. And one of my goals was to not let my money determine how I feel and to not worry about anything. I had a spiritual teacher who said to me a long, long time ago, worrying is a waste of time. So how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you accept what's going on? And it's just a matter of training because our culture doesn't uh, train us to do that. So you have to decide who you want to become. My talent is being able to see options for people and to help them see their options. Like the, the guy with the plane, our conversations are, I'll say, well, why don't you do such and such? And that's not something he saw. That's why we need people because we can only see what we see <laughs> from our very limited perspective. And we really need other people. One of the reasons I love doing a podcast is I get to meet all these incredible people and to see who we are, not who I am. Because when I can understand the we, I'm a much bigger, fuller person.
0: I like what you said about feeling goals, as well as financial goals. Most people just focus on the financial goals and maybe their career goals, like will they get promoted, but they don't really understand how to manage their own feelings or make achieving certain emotions part of their goals. Can you talk about that?
1: Okay. So for me, what's important is peace of mind. You know, I was a very stressed out person. I was addicted to Valium and breaking that addiction was one of the most difficult things I've done. And I didn't want to be a nervous person. You know, I've gotten so intuitive that I can kind of sense how nervous people are about who they are and what they're doing. And I just decided that I wanted to be able to accept whatever's happening. I call it now conscious synchronicity, where you get yourself in the right place And whatever you need shows up. And you learn to believe that whatever shows up is what you need. And it's not always pleasant, but you're going to learn more about who you are. So you have to change your goals. It's like my brother who said he never focused on the money. He just wanted to be enjoying what he was doing. You know, He had a way of looking at things and he turned out to be very good with money management. So um, feeling goals. I didn't want to be depressed. I was a suicidal depressor for 15 years. I think that happy is a difficult goal because happy is connected to dopamine and pleasure and that's fleeting. What really works is contentment. I want to be satisfied. Now our brains are not wired to be satisfied because they're wired to always want more. So I think I trained myself to be satisfied with whatever's going on. Do I have only good days where I feel up? No, because my default is depression. But as soon as I go into that space, I know what's happening and I know it's going to pass. And I have the the wherewithal to decide to feel something else.
0: What you said, I think you nailed it there. You became much more self-aware. So you can know... How, what your feelings are, why you're feeling them, what state you're in, and then you're able to adjust to that.
1: Self-awareness is one of the aspects of emotional intelligence. Self-awareness, self-management, empathy, and relationship management. Those are the important things. And yes, I was brought up in a home where one of the rules was Sotkins don't feel. And I wondered why I was crying all the time. (laughs) Something was going on. And I just spent a lot of years learning about feelings. I made a list of 50 feelings and would practice doing
0: those feelings. In your household, they actually, your parents actually said, Sotkins don't feel?
1: That was my father. And I remember one time, my mother was in the hospital, very sick. We didn't know if she was going to live. And I'm talking to my father on the phone and my voice is cracking up. And my father says, now, now, Joan, you know, Sotkins don't feel.
0: So you felt like a kind of a freak for even having emotion.
1: My father was nuts. And my brother's therapist said, your father was nuts. (laughs) And we were the only Sotkins in the country. We still are. And he had all these rules for Sotkins. Sotkins don't sing. Sotkins can't sing. I had to take singing lessons many years later just to learn to match tones. If I could sing, I wasn't a Sadkin. I mean, if you didn't do by his rules, then you were ostracized.
0: So your father had this domineering personality and he sort okay. of tried to put everybody in a mold that wasn't even a true mold. It was just like whatever he happened to think. Right. And whoever wasn't him was stupid. So that <laughs> made it really hard. So you actually developed your own therapy where you went through process of feeling 50 different emotions. That's really interesting. I never heard of anybody who did that.
1: Well, if you have to learn how to feel, you have to learn how to feel. Um, I mean, it's just what struck me as the thing to do. I was going to a therapist at a the time, but we were looking at all the abuse and all the, you know, all the, the stuff that makes you cry. And I just somehow knew That as long as I felt poor, I couldn't be wealthy.
0: We know so many people, a lot of them in Hollywood and sports stars who get enormous amounts of money. And then it just evaporates. Like you find out they're in bankruptcy and you're like, you had more money than I'll ever get in my lifetime. And now you're in bankruptcy?
1: Because the money was not congruent with their self-concept. And what I've seen is, and this, this is part of my story, is when you do really well in your 40s and 50s. If you haven't dealt with your emotional baggage, it's gonna come back to bite you when you're in your 70s and 80s.
0: So you never outgrow this stuff. The earlier you deal with it, the better.
1: Absolutely. People, when I start working with people, they say to me, when will this be over? I say, when you die. When it's over, it's over. But in the meantime, you can feel a little bit better and a little bit better. I can't believe Who I am internally now compared to who I was when I was addicted to Valium and I was physically ill and I absolutely felt I didn't fit in because my parents were not exactly sane. (laughs) I had to learn how to interact with people. I love to talk, obviously. I was a compulsive talker. And I was impossible to be with. I just wouldn't let you go because I was talking all the time. And one day I was at an Overeaters Anonymous meeting, standing in front, and I heard myself. And I realized what I was doing. And that was the end of my compulsive talking. And I learned how to listen.
0: You've gone through all these changes. You had your own hardships. And I think that puts you in a really good position to empathize and help other people through these problems.
1: Absolutely. And the fact that I was surrounded by wealth and celebrity all my life and didn't see that that made people happy. And they're just people who got discovered. They were so neurotic that they were in that constant push. And it's not the happiest of lives. But when I met the monks at the Ramakrishna Monastery, I saw peace of mind. I saw, you know, quiet. So I kind of took a look at it and tried to integrate what felt right for me. And I can't tell anyone else what's right for them. I can only help guide them to what's right for them so they can create these successful businesses and not be stressed out. Because when you're stressed out, you get sick. There's a whole field of study called psychoneuroimmunology, which is about how emotions affect your physical body. When I work with someone, I can feel the emotions that are stuck in their body. I work with a lot of men and you never say to a man, what are you feeling? You know, I'll say, I'm sensing a tightness in your chest. Uh, Do you feel that? (laughs) So I see my job as freeing people from the things within themselves that are holding them back. Life is not happening to you. It's happening through you. And it's your emotions that create the situation. The situation doesn't create the emotion.
0: I agree with that. Like we all live in this ocean of emotions. You know, we're swimming through it. That defines the situations we're in. I can be in exactly the same situation, but create something totally different about it. So I could be in a situation where somebody at the store doesn't do the right thing. They calculate the bill wrong. I could get all upset, right? And I create a very hostile situation because they made a mistake on the bill or i could be very empathetic to them and creates a completely different situation or if you believe
1: as i do that whatever's happening is fine
0: so you're going to pay the bill even though (laughs) they made a mistake
1: but you have to deal with that pent up anger that is stuck in your body and how do you do that i remember when i started doing anger releases I swallowed so much anger that my stomach ruptured. Ruptured? Ruptured in the hospital half hour before death. And of course they're looking for the medical reason. My mother had ulcers and all sorts of abdominal stuff because we weren't allowed to get angry in the house. So you gotta get the anger out. I I would stand in front of the mirror and I had learned karate. And I would imagine that ex-husband number two was standing in front of me and I would do all these karate chops and you've got to get it out. Energy in motion is what emotions are. And you don't have emotions in your head. You have them when these neuropeptides attach themselves to the receptors in your cells. So they're stuck there until they're expressed because emotions by their nature want to be expressed. So if you're holding on to all that emotional pain, you're gonna hurt. When I started healing, I would put my hand over the place that hurt, and I would just make the sound of the pain. This is what I teach people to do. Ah! You know, most people start out with, uh, uh, give me sound. Ah! And the pain dissipates. It's amazing how that works.
0: I remember when I was a kid, my brother would make all these strange sounds all the way through high school, like these strange noises. It turned out that my brother was repressing things about himself. He was gay. It was really hard to come out in those days. And I think some of that was him trying to get it out, but unable to say it.
1: I have a park by my house where I walk every day and there are little kids and there are these, you know, jungle gyms and the the slide, these tubes and they scream all the time. Uh,
0: We forget how to do that.
1: Right, go out there and scream. Get in your car, your car is a good place to do it. I remember the first time I did it, I was living with my parents. This was when I was wandering around and I just couldn't stand my father. I went out in the car, And I just screamed for 15 minutes. And it was like, oh, that felt really good. So if you need to scream at home, use a towel. If you don't want people to hear you. I haven't made sounds in a long time. And we now have neighbors on both sides. But I discovered that the bathroom was really safe. And I think it's really important to get that sound out because something is, it's gonna hurt if you hold it in.
0: So are there some other things like this that people can do to help them relieve the stress and connect with their emotions?
1: Definitely make the sound of the pain. That's such an important one. It really works. And if you don't have a feeling vocabulary, that's sometimes the problem. If I say to you, what are you feeling? You don't have a feeling vocabulary. Then if you decide you wanna learn about feelings, Find feeling words and say to yourself, what would that feel like? Compassion, surprise, anger, deprivation, uh, aloneness. And the thing with our society is we aren't taught to embrace emotions. Remember, emotions by their nature need to be expressed. So if you recognize that you're feeling alone, you have to say to yourself out loud, I feel so alone. That's expressing the feeling. And until you express it, it's going to keep happening. I use a technique called be set free fast. EFT is very popular now. I wrote a book with a clinical psychologist who created the protocol called be set free fast. And what it is, it's based on the theory that your subconscious is a faithful servant and will do whatever you tell it. And so you tell it every time that I want to shift something, I'm going to use this Q word. In my Build Your Money Muscles book, I turned it into a power word and I made it a very smaller thing. And I still use that technique. And it's a and I teach people that technique. And what it is, it's not affirmations. You're making statements that need to be treated. There's a protocol that I use, which is I release my need for disappointment. Let's use that one since that's a common one. Before you read the instructions to your subconscious, you choose a word, a power word or a keyword that has no emotional attachment to it, like money or mother. Shazam is one that people use, or I use the word terrific. So I would say I release my need for disappointment. Terrific. I allow myself to release my need for disappointment. I give myself permission to release my feelings of disappointment. I want to release my feelings of disappointment. And I am perfectly happy with what's happening in my life. And you say the power word after each of these statements, you're not saying affirmations, you're treating the statement. And I'm amazed at how powerful it can be.
0: I could see that verbalizing what you're doing subconsciously, making yourself aware of that, and then giving yourself explicitly permission to change that behavior can have very positive results.
1: Right. And for me, underneath it all is this theory that there's nothing wrong with you that needs fixing
0: interesting so but you are fixing at the same time
1: no you're changing a habit disappointment is a habit that's a habitual response to familiar stimuli and what you're doing is Mm. changing your habitual responses to familiar stimuli
0: so basically you've been conditioned a certain way And so you have these habits developed at a very young age, probably. If your
1: mother dealt with a lot of disappointment while she was pregnant with you, you learned disappointment because emotions are these biochemical things that go through your body and you burned your mother's feelings.
0: So your technique actually allows people to correct these later in life.
1: Right. And you correct them and you override them. I don't know that the pattern ever disappears. It's like, I find now that my default might be depression. That's what sugar used to do to me was cause me to be depressed. But I now know that it's temporary and I know what to do in order to reverse it. Whereas if you don't have this awareness, then you can't change it.
0: Yeah, The big hurdle most people face is that they're not happy. They're not satisfied. They're making mistakes in their life over and over again, but they're simply not aware. And if they aren't aware, they can't change anything.
1: Awareness is the first step in the process of change.
0: So this has been wonderful having you on the show. I just want to ask you where people can find out more about you, your books, your podcast, and everything else.
1: Everything's on prosperityplace.com.
0: One final piece of advice to our audience.
1: To me, the most important thing is to love yourself. It's hard to do in this world, but appreciate who you are and appreciate your assets. You have assets that you don't even realize you do because you're trying to be like other people.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.